Welcome back to Storyteller Station. I'm so glad you're here. I hope it's a lovely day in your neighborhood as you are listening to this. It is a beautiful day here in Illinois, in Kankakee, Illinois. It has snowed and it just looks lovely. I hope that we keep the snow for Christmas. I would really like that. In other news, other than weather, I have to tell you, I will be at Stafari Cafe on Wednesday, Wednesday morning from 9 to noon doing a book signing. If you are from the Kankakee area or any area surrounding, the Stafari Cafe is downtown Kankakee inside the Majestic. The Majestic is a beautiful old building and Stafari Cafe is just the sweetest, nicest little spot there and... Ari and Steph are just two very kind people. You will always get a smile. And it's just, it's a lovely place. And I would love to see you Wednesday morning from 9 to noon. Or if you can't get away on Wednesday, I will also be there on Saturday from 1 to 4. That is right. Book signing twice this week. It's amazing. And What else is amazing is that Christmas is next Wednesday. I can barely believe it. Anyway, that is that is a whole other story. It's kind of amazing how quickly time goes. And (laughs) I'm not sure that I'll ever really stop being amazed by that. So In light of the time going quickly, I've been thinking a lot about just how people change and how things change. And I was considering just this this author journey I've been on and the fact that I have five books out now and that I hope to double that by next year. Actually, I hope to have, I hope to, to put seven books out next year, which Fingers crossed I'll be able to do. Um, if I keep at this pace, it, it will be done. It will be done. So we shall see. I want to finish up the Sage Chevelle series next year. I have the first three books out right now. They are available on Amazon. You can check my website, sarahfenlandfalk.com, for more information about those and to find out when the next will be released. As I've been thinking about this author journey, I th- I've kind of laughed at myself because um, I have some friends who have started talking about the ideas they've had for books, and I, I try to encourage them. And one of the things that I encourage is just to write. Like, if you have an idea, stop whatever you're doing and write it down, because that is really how things get written. And what I used to think, which I kind of laugh at myself now, I just, I guess I kind of assumed that the the person, the author who would like read or, or would write these amazing books I was reading, that they just one day sat down and wrote it cover to cover. And I don't know why I assumed that or, you know, didn't consider the process. And here's the funny thing. So in high school, I did a lot of writing and I was involved in creative writing programs during the summer every year. And one of those programs, we actually edited, produced, and published our own work. 
So I knew already firsthand the process that a draft goes through, that it's not just, oh, you sit down, you write it cover to cover, you, and then you slap a beautiful, you know, image on the front and, and you're done. It, it doesn't work like that. And I knew that from high school on, but for some reason, when I started writing the Sage Chevelle series in 2017, I just thought, um, why is this so hard? <laughs> Or, you know, it. I love to write and I will always write, but it's, it also, I think for people who are like, oh, it would be so great to, to write a book, it's just so dreamy. I just want to say it, in some ways it is really dreamy because you get to play, but you're working too, if that makes sense. So the making the time to sit down and write, the plugging through when you're not really sure you like what you just wrote, the carrying on when you're just not sure what the next step should be, but you're just going to go ahead with, eh, we'll do this and hopefully it'll work out. It just, it's really interesting, the process. And I think that people take for granted that it is a process. So if if you're one of those who's like, ooh, 2020 is coming up. I think that's my year. I want to write a book. Well, then let me just encourage you. If you have ideas, if things pop into your head, you know, it's almost like creative intrusive thoughts. So if you have these creative intrusive thoughts, make time to just stop what you're doing and go and write those things down because that literally could be part of your next book. And that, my friends, really is how things get written. I will get in, I mean, things will pop into my head, parts of the story, whenever and wherever. So I have notebooks in my everywhere and I have my, I try to keep my iPad with me. I have a computer somewhere. I've got my phone even if I have to like dictate a note to myself about what's happening in the story or where I want to plug something in, that is literally how it gets written. I, it's not this glorious writing desk in front of an open window with the sun shining and the breeze blowing in and I'm sipping my tea or my wine or whatever you might envision and um, writing the thing and getting it done you know, as quickly as can be imagined, that's, that really isn't how it happens. It's staying up late. It's, you know, even in the bathroom, like <laughs> dictating a note to yourself, like, oh, don't forget to put, you know, Prince Robert needs to do this. So I just encourage you, if that's something that you're aspiring to, sit down, write out your ideas. And then once you, you decide on which project, if you're like me, you have a hundred things on your mind that you want to do. So pick one because you can only do one. And then every time, like focus on it. Even when I'm not writing, I'm imagining the story in my head. So like in waiting rooms and these kinds of things, I just, I just try to imagine the story playing out and so that I can tell the story to myself and then it'll be easier to put it all into words. So do that for yourself. And like I said, write it down, dictate a, a, a reminder to yourself or a note, put it on your iPad, your, you know, scribble it on a napkin. It does, it just get it down. 
get it down. And you'll be so glad you did. And that's what I've got for you as far as um, the writing goals for 2020. And now you know mine. <laughs> so let's see, seven books. And actually the first the first two of the year will be released simultaneously because they happen at the same time, just in different places. But you have to read them in order. It, it, it would just be better if you read them in order. So I still have a book four and a book five. But again, it's same timeline, different places. Oh, goodness. It's really fun, actually, writing the two at the same time. So seven books for 2020. And if you've got a book in mind, start writing. And there we go. 2020, here we come. So last week I started a, I guess, a three-week mini-series. Um, this is by Sarah J. Peters, and that is my romance side of writing. And I wrote Mistletoe Mayhem, a short story about Christmas and romance and that seems to be kind of a popular theme in our world. So I wanted to try my hand at it. And last week, hopefully you heard the last, hopefully you heard the last episode of Storyteller Station. If you did not, please stop now. Stop. Stop and go back and listen to the last episode because you will miss the first part of this story. And what I'm about to say to you now will not make sense. So, for today, I would like to continue the story, Mistletoe Mayhem. Without further ado, let's go. Just two days before the fundraiser, Taylor and I had decided to spend the day together finishing up our Christmas shopping. My mom had suggested that we stop by and meet up with her and Taylor's mom for lunch. One of the nice things about small towns is everyone knows one another, Taylor's mom and mine had gone to high school together, and when they became adults, their friendship grew. This was always very convenient growing up. When I had wanted to spend time with Taylor, I would just tempt my mom with the idea of time with her own friend. It had worked like a charm. I thought it would be fun to meet up with our moms at the Elkhorn Cafe for a little lunch after a long morning of shopping. As a joke... I wore a long red sweater rimmed with black piping around the neckline and cuffs. In the center, on the front, there was a gingerbread man with X's for his eyes. The cookie man was broken in half at the waist. The words, oh snap, were stitched in black yarn beneath him. <laughs> I laughed at the thing every time I saw it and thought I'd embarrass Taylor with it. She just chuckled when she saw me, then rolled her eyes as she pulled on her fur-lined silver parka. Are you really going to wear that all day? She asked. Yes. And she knew I would, so she didn't argue. The streets were busy that morning, and so were the shops, but it didn't slow us down. From the time I had picked her up to the time we decided to break for lunch, a total of four hours, we had covered five stores and it even stopped for gas. When at last it was time for lunch, my stomach was literally growling. I'm so ready to eat, I said, speaking louder than my stomach. Taylor agreed. Oh, there's my mom's car, she said as we pulled into the Elkhorn parking lot. It looked as though we were right on time. 
We walked toward the brick building, and Taylor decided to take another dig at my sweater. I still can't believe you've been walking around in that thing all day, she said. I gave her a sideways glance and a shrug as if to say, hey, it's me. She laughed and said, okay, I guess I can believe it. We laughed together, perhaps a little too loudly, because when we entered through the double doors, the table of women, seated at the right of us, looked up in unison. I tried to smile sweetly and gave a little wave to my mother, who I saw seated at the head of the table next to Taylor's mom, Rachel. When we reached the table, I smiled sweetly once again and murmured, Hi, Mrs. Lamb, to Taylor's mom. She smiled and gave me a kiss on the cheek before sitting back down. There was a seat next to my mother, which I took and put my bag over the back of the chair. Taylor sat across from me next to her mother. Bryn, you remember Monica Mason, don't you? My mother said nonchalantly, waving a hand out toward the chair next to me, in which was seated a beautiful woman with short dark hair and brilliant green eyes. Those green eyes. I would recognize them anywhere. Oh, and if you're assuming this must be Matthew's mother, you're right. I gulped suddenly, very self-conscious, about my sweater choice for the day. Um, <clears throat> yes, I stuttered. Um, hi, Mrs. Mason. Hello, dear, she said, offering me her hand to shake. Then, as if she didn't know a thing about me or my undying love for her son, she said, you and Taylor graduated with my son, Matthew. Do you remember him? My mouth dropped open, and Taylor helped me recover from across the table. Yes, Mrs. Mason, we do remember him, she said. In fact, we saw him at the mall the other day, didn't we, Bryn? I recovered enough to close my mouth, but really couldn't speak, so I just nodded my agreement. That's nice. Monica Morgan said, picking up her ice water with lemon and lime and taking a sip. I looked across the table at Taylor, my eyes wide, hoping to communicate, Help me, please. As any girl knows, the way to a man's heart may be through his stomach, but the way to a man's good opinion is through his mother's opinion. If mama don't like you, you haven't got a chance. The fact of which fully contributed to my horror at being seated next to Matthew's mother while in this sweater and being expected to consume a complete meal. Take your jacket off, my dear, my mother said from beside me. It is so warm in here. The other mothers at the table agreed with her estimation of the temperature, and I was forced to take my coat off. I tried to sit a bit hunched over and pressed against the table so the gingerbread man on my shirt wasn't terribly visible. Luckily, Mrs. Mason was sitting next to me, and so she couldn't see the front of me for the most part. And if she did see the gingerbread man with dead eyes across my chest, she did not ask any questions about it. The lunch seemed to be going very well. I hadn't spilled any soup on me, nor had I burped out loud, so overall I considered it a win. Just before the waitress brought the check, Mrs. Mason piped up. Oh, girls, she said, addressing Taylor and I, I want to invite you to the Christmas party I'm throwing at my house tonight. I didn't realize you were going to be in town, otherwise I would have mentioned to your mothers that you should be invited. 
It's not an adult-only party if that's what you're worried about. She said this, completely misreading Taylor's raised eyebrows as she looked at me. I mean, really? A party at Matthew's house? Just, wow. And then, as if she read my mind, Monica Mason said, Matthew will be there, and others from your class as well. Matthew came home from school early just to help get the house ready for the party, so I do hope you'll come. Taylor was smiling wide now. I was just confused. Of course I wanted to see Matthew, but also didn't want to make a fool of myself like I had that morning in the mall. I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for both of us, Taylor said with the same smile spread across her face, when I say we would absolutely love to come. Mrs. Mason returned the smile, clearly delighted that we had accepted the invitation. She gave my arm a squeeze. Does that mean she likes me? Am I, in Matthew's mother's good opinion? Both Taylor's mom and my own also seemed pleased that we had promptly accepted the invitation. I decided to wear my simple purple crushed velvet dress for the party. I would have worn black, but I felt the purple brought out the gold flecks in my otherwise plain brown eyes. I took a little extra time to apply my makeup as well, which means it took me around 15 minutes rather than 10 to finish, and most of that time was spent trying to decide which color of lip gloss to wear. I decided on a tinted nude tone. Brow pen, mascara, lip gloss, done. My short brown hair was another story. Since It couldn't hold a curl for longer than the time it took me to put on my makeup, and since there was no way I could keep it tied up any longer than a trip to the coffee shop, I decided to leave it straight. I did try parting it on the other side, though, and thought it looked good enough to leave it that way. Bryn, we're leaving, my mother shouted from the front room. She and my father were getting an early start as their evenings out usually had an early finish these days. Okay, I acknowledged and sprayed a mist of hairspray over the top of my head. I smoothed my hair down and tugged my dress down a bit to adjust it. The good thing about crushed velvet is that it's supposed to look wrinkled, so I didn't need to worry about that. With the finishing touches done, I took one final look at the mirror and headed for the door. It was my turn to drive, so I would be picking Taylor up for the party. She ran out the front door as soon as she saw my parents' blue Honda pull into her drive. She had swept her hair up into a loose bun. Sparkling earrings dangled from her ears, and she wore a black, not crushed, velvet dress that went to her knees. She had on black heels something I could never pull off. I've just never been able to wear high heels. I didn't think it was due to lack of coordination, so I just attributed it to eh, weak, weak ankles. Taylor smiled and complimented me as she buckled herself in next to me. I returned the compliment. We were not the first ones to the party, but surprisingly seemed to be among the last to arrive. I didn't recognize many of the vehicles in the drive, but I hoped that there would be plenty of faces I would recognize inside. Monica Mason answered the door looking as sophisticated and elegant as one would expect of Monica Mason. She welcomed us and graciously showed us where to put our coats.
Once we deposited said coats in the guest room, I looked directly at Taylor, gripping her shoulders, and said, Be honest. How do I look? She smiled at me and said, You look amazing. Now let's go and have some fun. Just relax. She added that last part when she saw the look on my face. I'll try, was the best I could offer. It must be said at this point that I love Christmas. I'm actually kind of a geek for it. That's why when Matthew Mason walked up to me at his parents' party, my mouth was hanging open. I was totally lost looking up at all the Christmas lights and decorations. Hi, he said nonchalantly. I looked up, or rather down, and saw him standing in front of me. Oh, hi, I said, trying to sound just as nonchalant as he had. Not quite sure I pulled it off, though, and I could feel the temperature rising up in my cheeks. I touched a hand to one of my cheeks to cool it and said, Wow, it's warm in here, isn't it? I wasn't sure if I had played that off well enough, but if I hadn't, and he had noticed, Matthew did not react. There are a lot of people here tonight, he said. I nodded in agreement and looked back up at the decorations and lights. It was a veritable winter wonderland. I think it's so brave that your mom used fake snow in this gorgeous house of hers, I said with a smile on my face. I can't get over how beautiful it looks in here. Matthew smiled and said, yeah, she always seems to go all out for Christmas. I looked back at him and said, I totally get that. He chuckled. And I added, but I'm not sure I could ever pull all of this off. He was still looking at me and smiling. He waited a moment before saying, I bet you could do just about anything you put your mind to. I stepped back and looked at him. I was certain I could not mask the look of confusion on my face. Why would you say that? He took a step closer to close the distance again and said, I remember all of the things you tried out for in high school. If you didn't make it into one club or committee, you tried out for another or developed one. You were pretty much unstoppable. Wow, I said. I did do all of that, but never thought of myself as unstoppable. And I never knew you were paying attention. He shrugged and shoved his hands into his pockets, looking boyish and innocent. Guilty. I laughed. Well, the whole world knew what you were up to in high school. The world, he argued, looking around the room. Perhaps you're referring to the good people of Crawford County. Yeah, I did okay. I laughed again. I'd say you did better than okay. Uh, you were the president, leader, and king of, like, everything in high school. You were impossible to ignore. So you tried to ignore me? He said this, putting puppy dog eyes on and allowing the corners of his mouth to sag into a pout. Ah, uh, poor baby. I lightly punched him in the arm when I said it. He stood up straight and looked at me with a serious face. You didn't answer my question. Were you trying to ignore me in high school? I giggled nervously. <laughs> uh, I, well, I couldn't have if I had wanted to, right? 
I knew I wasn't answering the question even then, but I didn't really want to admit to the guy that because of my deep crush, I had tried to ignore him. I tried to downplay my feelings, to avoid him. It was just too much. He was too much. Oh my gosh! Someone who had already consumed too much champagne commented too loudly, You two are standing under mistletoe! It took me a few moments to realize the obnoxiously loud lady was talking about Matthew and I. He looked above our heads to confirm it. Oh, dear God, no, I prayed silently. But there we were, under the mistletoe, and someone was making a big deal about it. Aww, came another comment. And then the words I was dreading. You two have to kiss. If this had been a high school party, totally immature, with underage drinking and making out in every corner, I would have expected what came next. But never in my life would I have expected it at one of Monica Mason's home parties. Nevertheless, it started with one or two people, then became a group of five or six chanting, kiss, 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 kiss. I rolled my eyes and laughed nervously. Matthew didn't seem nervous at all. He turned to me and kissed my cheek. Someone yelled, That doesn't count! Come on, you guys, I said, trying to keep the smile plastered on my face like we were having fun. Kiss! 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 I looked at Matthew out of the corner of my eye and could tell he was a little nervous, too. I turned to the group, making a big deal out of the placement of the mistletoe, and held up my hands in surrender. Okay, okay, I tried to calm them, then looked at Matthew. Okay? Then, without thinking, I grabbed his shoulders and kissed him on the lips as quickly and as lightly as I could. The crowd laughed, and some people cheered. Still, others insisted that peck of a kiss didn't count either but I had had too much of the attention and tension already. Without looking back at Matthew, I ran out of the room and away from them, from him. I didn't want to know what he thought about what had just happened. For me, it was humiliating and embarrassing. Why couldn't people just mind their own business? We had been having a nice conversation, and then... I tried to stay away from Matthew for the rest of the party. He waved goodbye to me from across the room when Taylor and I were leaving. She tried to talk me into going back over to him, but I couldn't do it. It was all just too embarrassing. I heard we missed seeing you in action, my mom joked later that night when I came into the kitchen in my pajamas. She chuckled. I rolled my eyes at her and poured myself a glass of water. Yeah, Mom. Action. You used to really like Matthew Mason, she said, as if my feelings were past tense. There was a time when a kiss from him would have made your night. It was embarrassing, Mom. A bunch of drunk adults chancing for us to kiss. I thought, well, anyway, it, it doesn't matter. Good night. Return next week for the conclusion of Mistletoe Mayhem.
by Sarah J. Peters. Read for you by Sarah Fenlin Falk. That's it. I have so much fun narrating. I hope to get better and better. It's so much fun to be able to put inflections in the conversations and to get to just kind of read it how I wrote it. And I feel like it's a a better way to get my story across. So it's really fun. I hope that you will listen next week to hear the conclusion of Mistletoe Mayhem the Monday before Christmas. Perfect timing. (laughs) Okay, well, I hope that what we talked about earlier about writing goals and getting started and just getting things on paper or in the computer was encouraging to you. And let me know if you have any questions or if you used that idea to just write down any idea and if it, how it worked for you. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And otherwise, I will be talking at you again next Monday. We'll see you later, friends.